Hello and welcome to Negative Modifier Reads, the Negative Modifier Book Club. Like many parts of this, we're still trying to fine-tune the exact nature of this. But yes, welcome. We'll be discussing the book Crota by Owl Going Back. As always for these things, I'm Charlie and I'm joined by Introduce Yourself. What's up? It's Jad. Uh, you may know me from the podcast as Agent Faustus, as well as, um, upon recording this, the most recent, uh, Dr. Domre. Good doctor himself. Herself? Himself. Yeah. Anyways, we're going to talk about Crota. So, like, we're going to kind of break this down to a couple different categories. We're going to, I guess, we're assuming you've probably read this, and if you haven't, spoilers from more or less this point on out. We're going to do kind of a quick summary of the book. This is not meant to be kind of a book report or a crib notes version of this, just kind of enough information to give you a refresher on what's happened in the book and kind of provide some context to this. We're then going to kind of discuss the book in more detail. I want to talk about trying to research this book because I have a couple funny anecdotes about that because there's another thing I am fairly into that shares the same name as this that I'm now cursing out because, hey, it turns out that's the more well-known version of this. And last but not least, our kind of final section of this will because we are a tabletop rpg podcast and we do we are at its core an actual play podcast we're gonna talk about how to kind of use crota in tabletop rpgs part of why i picked this for our first book is because the structure of it really lends itself to kind of lifting the ideas from it and kind of the pacing of it from the book itself and transferring it almost directly into a module you could run this is a topic I've talked about on a bunch of other podcasts I've been on, kind of the idea that you should always be reading stuff. Like it's the, the best ideas I've had for negative modifier have come from me trying to kind of recreate or I think improve or kind of tinker with ideas I found other places I thought were neat and maybe not the best implemented or kind of, hey, that's cool. Here's my spin on it. So yeah, we're going to kind of put our money where our mouth is and do that for this book because I think it's a perfect book for that. But yes, so Crota by Owl Going Back. You want to summarize this one, Jad, or should I? Let's kind of uh, let's go over some quick accolades. Um, this book was initially published in 1996, and I'm going to stress the fact that this book it was initially published in 1996 because we're going to touch upon that later. But otherwise, this is Owl Going Back's first novel, and it did win a Bram Stoker Bram Stoker Award for uh, best first novel. He is a Native author, we accidentally kind of serendipitously picked a Native fiction in the middle of Native American Cultural Month, or Native American Heritage Month, excuse me, which, I, what was the book that we were kind of like first looking at before changing over to Crota? Was it Wintertide? It may have been Wintertide, I don't remember, honestly. He dropped out of high school to join the uh, United States Air Force and just kind of keeping that vibe. You do see a little bit of that gung ho Top Gun. Is it Top Gun? That's about the airplanes. Yes, that is the movie about the airplanes. OK, cool. Sorry, I've never seen Top Gun. So mind you, it's got a, it's got a Top Gun vibe. I, I know I just said that I'd never seen Top Gun, but it's got that vibe of just like, hey, we're going to we've got this mission and we're going to complete it, I guess. No, nah, I, I think it's actually not a bad kind of place to go from there. And I think it's yeah, 
there's not actually not a ton about the author out there. There's a couple things. He's written a couple more books since then. His most recent book was published in, I think I saw um, 2023. It might not. Yeah, I think it's out by the time we're recording. It's called Evil Whispers. He is a working author, if you will think of it that way. But yes, yeah, so Crota, the book we're actually going to talk about. It's a relatively straightforward story. It's a good old-fashioned monster story. It starts off with some innocent bystanders seeing something, in this case the Crota, that they have no good explanation for, and the murders begin. The book is broken down to kind of three very distinct parts. You've got kind of everything that happens before Skip gets attacked, this kind of weird midsection that's full of lots of dream sequences and kind of bad ideas on various people's parts. And I think it's kind of best summed up as lots of, it's almost like a wind up moment of lots of things being put into motion. Then you have the ending of the book where it actually kind of follows what I think is the most interesting part of the book. Getting ahead of myself. So yeah, the first part of the book basically kind of chronicles skip the main character. Is that fair to call him not the main character? I guess it's almost the Crota's the main character in some ways. I think it's, I almost, I wouldn't say that they're almost like deuter, deuteragonists, deuter, what Dual is the protagonists? word? Okay, I, no, deuteragonist is the person who is the secondary main character. I was thinking about like dual protagonist, I thought that meant like dual protagonists are two characters who are both the main character or something like that. Yeah, sure. So, the Crota does actually end up being a point of view character. So you could almost argue that the Crota is a main character or like a protagonist within itself and its own story. The story, the story structure of this doesn't really lend itself into two characters having, I would say like their own, not mission statement, but their own kind of. So the story structure of Crota doesn't really lend itself to too complicated stories or too complicated aims or missions uh, by the point of view characters kind of intertwining. I'm kind of placing this, I guess, against the story structure of like Princess Mononoke, which has absolutely just changed the way I view narratives just because there's not really a clear definitive like good guy, bad guy. It's just people with their own ideals and their own kind of moralities just kind of clashing against each other. I mean, I'd argue the Crota's pretty evil start to finish, but... Oh, yeah, I was going to say, like, with this, it's more so, like, the Crota has a very, like, definitive, like, this is the antagonist. Yeah, and, like, it kind of takes pride in that. And I think, like, something that kind of, that's a good kind of returning back to the first part of the book, like... I think like one of the things I found most impressive about this book that it's weird to kind of harp on, but I think it's worth bringing up because I think it does it really well is that there's no overlapping events in this book. Every kind of section of it seems to progress the story forward. There's not a lot of kind of like, Oh, and this was happening while this was also happening, which I don't know. I kind of like when books can pull that off successfully. And definitely the first section is just a chain of events. It's first Crota attack investigation second crota attack investigation and i kind of really enjoy the pacing of that as a result because it really does feel like i think the first section takes place with a span of like two or three days tops and by the end of it, it really does feel like just two or three days have happened because it's been so fast oh this is a this is absolutely a fast-paced book yeah and it was <laughs> kind of funny in, in in that like i had not finished the book before i had recommended to Char- for charlie to read this and then as I was going through the book, I was just like, oh, this 
we this is going to be interesting to talk about later on because um we have taken a turn we have taken a turn definitely talk about that later because i think i was asked what i thought of the book at four different points and depending on what point in the book you asked me that question you got dramatically different answers out of me because so my wife wanted to bring this book as well just because hey we're doing this and she was curious about kind of what we were doing for this and she was the first one to ask me about what i thought of the book so far and she asked me right before i got to the end of the first part and i was really positive on the book then and literally if i had made it like the equivalent of like five or six more pages i might have been like i'm enjoying this but maybe give it a pass kind of thing but i'm getting ahead of myself we're still trying to summarize this so the first section ends with skip's first showdown with the crota this is the first hint you get that and we use this phrase kind of our actual play stuff with some frequency Maybe Skip has some juice, for lack of a better phrase. There's something a little bit mystical going on, and this happens. The Crota attack happens from Crota's perspective, correct? Like, it's not from... Am I remembering that correct? I think so. Yeah, it's one of the two It's one of the two early on sections. You get kind of the perspective of the Crota, which... Yeah, because I think this happens around somewhere around, like, chapter 8, chapter 10, yeah. out of, like, 30... There's multiple Crota attacks before that, just because it kind of shows how intimidating and it shows the personality of the Crota. Like, this is all just kind of the all these attacks that he's doing is entirely for sport as part of his nature, maybe. But like, it's entirely just for sport. And it's for a cruel creature. Yeah, I think like it's it mentions being hungry several times and waking up after hibernation. And yeah, it, it could be kind of more. I guess what's the right phrase? Reserved, um, tactful in its hunting, but it's not. Like it enjoys the panic and the adrenaline. Like it's it's like the people that make a point of scaring the deer before they shoot them when they go hunting because they like the way the meat tastes full of adrenaline and stuff like that. Like and the, the Crota mentions that several times, which I kinda liked. Um we'll talk about kind of how as time wore on I got less interested in the Crota because I spent the first chunk of the until they said the Crota's name was the Crota before the Crota kind of named itself the Crota, I guess, essentially. I thought this was a Skinwalker story, which I was really excited for. And not the Crota wasn't cool, but definitely it's like, oh, it's just kind of a monster thing. That's a little bit less interesting, I guess. The Crota names itself pretty early on in the book yes. as well. I think maybe let's talk about just kind of like how we got up to the first Crota attack or the first Crota encounter with with Skip. Yeah. Full name for that character is William Skip. Uh, he's got like a kid named Billy Jr. You get introduced to them in like chapter two, but chapter one starts off with honestly, it's a really, really phenomenal opening. Yeah. With Buddy Jarowski. He's like a teenager. He's about to go hook up with um, Linda Chapman, who's this high school sweetheart or this high school catch. And he's like kicking it on his bike. Um, and you could absolutely tell this is like the 90s because this this book is just obsessed with motorcycles. She is only into him because he has a motorcycle. The part is oh, mentioned yeah. multiple times. <laughs> Buddy j- runs out of gas um, on his way over to uh, go meet up with Linda. And then some shit happens where he's being chased and it gets ends up in like a cemetery or whatever the heck. And then he kind of sees the shadow of the Crota and then you get introduced into like the intimidating factor of like oh what is this giant freakish thing as he's running away he's hit by a car that's being driven by a guy named jim and then you see the 
Crota's power just because as they're talking about like, oh shit, like what was that thing? Are you on drugs? Whatever the heck the Crota attacks, Jim's lower jaw is separated from the rest of his body <laughs> and, and buddy is kind of like killed off screen per se, only for their corpses to be found by William and the rest of his gang. I think it's like well, Tyway patrol uh, initially or something. They get called. Yeah. In yeah. And then they get brought in. You get introduced to um, William uh, under Sheriff Lloyd Baxter and then Corporal Randall Murphy, who doesn't really do a lot of uh, things happening uh, or he doesn't really do a lot in that introductory chapter just because he's like sent off. But like key characters would be William, obviously, and Lloyd Baxter as it kind of goes along. From there, it's just kind of introductions of like other kind of quirky characters that often rapidly get killed immediately after getting introduced. I mean, it's 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 kind of like an action book. I yeah. I was reading the first five chapters, and I was like, this is a supernatural episode. Yes. This really is like a made-for-TV or made-for-film uh, kind of pacing and whatnot. Just because the chapters are super short, too. Like, yes, this is not a are. long book. I said, like, 30 chapters, but, like, these chapters are, like, five, six pages max. But then we are introduced to Jay Little Hawk, who is a game warden, grew up in Cherokee Reservation in North Carolina, and he's got, I, I mean, I guess in like the in like TTRPG terms, he's got like an insane knowledge nature, like passive, because Omi's just tracking, or we just have straight up detect magic almost, <laughs> basically. His introduction i'm like okay let's see where this character goes because this could go one of two ways and if it goes the way i'm afraid it's going to go this guy just kind of becomes the fix it for the entire rest of the book and i guess what happened he kind of became the fix for the rest of the book which i wasn't a huge fan of ultimately but i'm getting ahead of myself his introduction is good though i really kind of appreciated the whole like i enjoyed the stuff if he's a game warden or he's game warden or not or no, he's he's a um he's a game warden. He's a game warden. I kind of appreciate that introduction to him. Like it, the introduction for him, I thought was great because like it's a great framing of hey, this character would because of his background, his profession would have kind of the extra knowledge of like it's really weird. There's no animals here, man. There's a lot of blood here. Things feel off, and it kind of got right up to that line of like, okay, is it mysticism? Is it not mysticism? Or is it just one that's been in the woods enough? Oh, there's that like, there's that, definitely like, a little mysticism. And then the mysticism it, happened. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it, it talks about his grandfather who is like, also he was on a different Cherokee reservation. Uh, my notes say that it was near Bartlettsville, Oklahoma. Um, but his grandfather taught him like a lot about shamanism before he ended up um, going with the, uh, U.S. ground troops in 1973. I think he went to he went to Nam. Yeah, so uh, Jay Little Hawk went to Nam, but otherwise uh, he's investigating the Devil's Boot, which is going to be a very important uh, place because hey, that is where you find out the Crota has emerged from after a earthquake that happened in. And this took me a minute to find out because I was like, where the fuck are they? Because they talk about like St. Louis. They talk about the St. Louis, but like Logan PD as well, because mm-hmm. like Jarowski or not Jarowski, William was uh, from uh, Logan PD. 
And I just couldn't, it took me a minute to place this on the Let's map. actually talk about that for a split second. So one of my favorite scenes in the entire book was they have kind of William mentally complaining about the tedium that is crime scene investigation. I really enjoyed that whole sequence. I mean, that's kind of the handler in me from Delta Green, where it's kind of, you have a character that like, here's what you have to do. And it sucks, but we have to do all this paperwork. And they have criticisms of how it's like, yeah, on TV, it's just snap a couple of photos. In reality, it's painstaking hours of notes and diagrams and documentation and numbering and ID tags. And like, it's, it's not a boring section, but I kind of enjoy the fact they make a couple cracks at the tedium of it and the kind of the reality of you don't just process a crime scene in 30 seconds. It takes hours, sometimes days. Oh, I was cracking up over the fact that he was like, oh, yeah, I need to take a print of this. They're not going to look at this, but God damn it, I have to take a fucking print out of this. Yep. Like, who wants to get the body out of the tree? Oh, yeah, because they found Buddy Jarowski's body, like, um, hanging from a tree after it got field dressed. And I like definitely that was something that was an interesting thing to, or uh, interesting kind of characterization of the Crota um, just as a ma- uh, malevolent spirit, but specifically like a malevolent native spirit. So it's like, okay, cool. Like it's doing these things that are characteristically associated with like uh res culture or like native culture or whatever with that. Um, but otherwise it's, it's not just like a specific like monster creature. It's got like an intelligence with it. Yeah. It's, it's going after specific parts and yeah, I think kind of it, it's twofold where like it, it's referred to as field dressing specifically with that for those who don't know when you go hunting and you kill something, you have to get the organs out of it almost immediately. They start poisoning the rest of the meat and Crota is going after almost exclusively that because in a lot of folklore, the organs are the powerful bits. Like there's there were the, spiritual stuff comes from in most people and a lot of in a variety of cultures so i thought it was kind of a neat effect of this thing doesn't really care about the meat at all it's there for just the organs mm-hmm. um and then afterwards it switches back to the crota um with chapter five uh it i i was a little it was a little jarring to just kind of be switching back between these point of views because while it's cool to kind of get internality um with the crota too much of it seems like it's spoiling the mystery. Yeah, I could have not done with knowing the Crota had boring human thoughts for a little bit longer, I think. Like, I think if we'd made it to towards the end of the book before we got our first in the Crota's head perspective, or at least the Crota having internal, very boring human dialogue with itself, I'd have been a little bit happier. But yeah, it's. I think those ways of doing these where it's the Crota kind of narrating its hunting tactics and kind of playing up the fact it's not just hunting it's being actively cruel and like a straight-up monster but at the same time like i i love the sequence where it's talking like where it's going by all the cows and it's like not a problem not a problem not a problem there's the bull that's what i have to do to put the fear and everything else and i i thought that was a cool touch but it was kind of like it's almost like kind of frat boy jockish attitude up to that moment where i'm like this is not this is rapidly unmystifying this very interesting creature. And that's where I will say, like, again, this was published in 1996. So a lot of the character archetypes are going to be based on just having the almost like bullyish element. Yeah. Towards it or just kind of the I for whatever reason, I don't even know if this is specifically tied to any kind of like actual media, but I think of like evil 
twin Belgian ski twins or evil Belgian ski twin lodge, whatever the heck, ski resort lodge. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm curious where you're going with this. For whatever reason, I have a very specific arc character archetype tied to mid 80s, early 90s bully, bully esque characters where they're evil European ski lodge twins. So they just kind of show up and they're just twins and they're mean. And I don't know where this specific archetype has come from and how it exists, but it does. All right. So uh, Jad equates the Crota with a duo of um, European ski lodge bullies. Okay, cool. No, but like that character. I'm, no, I'm I, I kind of get that, it. Yeah, that I snooty. Make much fun of that. Yes, I. <laughs> It's weird. Like before, we had the language to make characters that were like cruel because they liked being cruel, because we weren't smart enough to write those characters as kind of a society. You have this type of thing where it's like, do they enjoy? Like, are, are they aware they're an asshole? Oh, they are. That makes them more of an asshole. I get what you're saying. Yeah, like the like the bullies from the Never Ending Story. Sure, they're there. Yeah, we're just being mean. But anyway, afterwards. I did like the segment with Bruno and Richard Cummings. Bruno's the dog. Richard Cummings is this guy. His introduction is so funny uh, just because he's just this dude in the middle of a trailer in the forest and he's hanging out with his dog and he's like reminiscing about his, yeah, yeah, he's reminiscing about his dead wife, but he's also just like, well, whatever she's dead. She's not going to be upset about me getting gas from these eggs. And then the Crota shows up for whatever reason, and he, like, demolishes the dog, which was just this weird emotional fodder. So yeah. the dog does not survive in this book. Just heads up, guys. The dog doesn't survive A lot of people book. don't survive in this book. Thankfully, they die off screen, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, one of my favorite thing, the favorite little details is that as he's just crawling back to his trailer suffering a heart attack from like being chased by the Crota, it kind of snaps into just uh, the Felix, the cat clock. That's just kind of ticking away. Cause like, I, I personally have never had a Felix, the cat clock, but I've always wanted a Felix, the cat clock. I love Felix, the cat. And I completely forgot the fact that like the Felix, the cat was just almost like a ubiquitous pop culture element. That yeah. was very, that was just everywhere around that time. No, yeah, this is probably my favorite chapter of the book. I know I said the um, kind of investigation is my favorite segment. I think kind of as a complete scene start to finish, this is probably my favorite part of the entire book. I thought it was really well written. I thought the pacing was really great. I enjoyed, enjoys the wrong phrase, but I, I, out of shape character, old, dies of a heart attack as while getting chased by a monster. I enjoy the realism of that writing type of thing. I kind of thought the, there was lots of really great, implying in this scene type of thing too like it never it, you don't get a lot of details but you get your first indications of just how ruthlessly efficient the crota is type of thing again like this is before we have our first in the head of the crota thing so it still feels alien and terrifying and like big and monstrous and i was still kind of guessing like well what is this is it a sasquatch type of thing like wh- what is the crota kind of thing like there's still a lot of mystery behind it and then that leads directly into our farm hunting scene, which, again, I like this one. I thought it was kind of cool watching it prioritize stuff. I enjoyed the part of, like, again, I 
like you mentioned, the whole kind of the guy going through like, oh, his wife's dead. He can't get mad at him for cutting gas from making these eggs. I enjoyed the number of characters that had like realistic monologues in their head where it's like, guess I got to go check on this. Even if it makes my wife mad that I'm a couple of minutes late for dinner type thing. Like there's a certain beautiful mundanity to these people's thoughts where it's like, they're not, they don't think they're in a horror movie. They know they're not in a horror movie type thing, but they are. And I think kind of getting to watch those thoughts play out is just kind of like, the biggest concern the next victim has is my wife's going to get mad at me because dinner's a little bit cold because I was a little bit late because I had to do something in the yard. I like mm-hmm. that intro. I definitely is. And I really do want to like touch up, touch up on this when we are talking about just kind of implementations into narrative styles and like gameplay and everything else like that. But like the way that Owl going back just kind of creates an environment through these small details about these characters lives really gets you engaged with these like just kind of throwaway characters because these people are introduced and then are dead within five pages but you're just like oh shoot like that was that kind of stuck out or that and it gives you some great details that immediately paint who the character is in your brain like you don't need to know everything but it's like i got it no i know who this guy is based off these two senses fantastic and he's a shallow caricature and he's going to be dead in three crota swings and that's fine he is just there to establish just how unbelievably badass the Crota is. And I don't think there's anything wrong with no. shallow characters. I think like shallow characters really do have their use and really do have their place with yeah. like specific, with like with certain things. Like while I love having like a 3D character or like a round character, these flat archetypes just give, give me some shit here and there. Yeah, I would say like they, they're given more characterization than they need. Like you could just like, I like the section for existing. It does not need to be in the book. Like you could just have kind of the aftermath play out and kind of have the implication. Like you could piece together what happened based off kind of the aftermath section that happens directly after this. And it would have the same level of impact. Hypothetically, I think you gain something from kind of a dude and his shotgun and his prize bull facing down against the Crota and getting just rocked by it. I think that again, kind of does a nice job of building up the Crota, but at the same time, like, yeah, it's, it doesn't need to be there, but I think it adds some nice kind of spice to the setting and kind of adds kind of a little bit of life to the overall setting, which I'm not sure if these little kind of like mini vignette character things weren't there, you'd have quite as much of a care for the County and the overall area that exists. Like you get a sense for how rural and how farm and how spread out everything is because no one's calling the cops because the cops aren't going to get there when you're fast enough. You have to deal with it yourself. Like that's just kind of the prevailing thought process. And also nothing bad's ever happened here. Nothing bad will continue to happen here. And then you get ripped in half by a giant monster. And then the police show up. Oh, yeah. but I did want to, I did want to kind of touch back. Richard Cummings and Bruno does not immediately lead to the farm scene. In between those scenes is the first sweat lodge. Yes. The first sweat lodge. Um, I think How it's like could one I of, forget the first sweat lodge? It's it's a sweat lodge scene. Um, I'm not saying that scene. it's bad or anything else like that. It is one of those things that you just kind of get blown away from just because it's like, oh, this is very different with the narrative, not narrative themes, but just kind of like what we're presented with. Yes, we are. We are uh, giving up the sh- what is it? Not shadow of doubt. We're we ha- we are engaging with the suspension of disbelief because we have the supernatural creature that's there. 
But this definitely was one of those moments of just kind of like, okay, maybe maybe we have been inundated with a lot of like mystic native tropes in now as we read in like 2023, maybe not in when it was like maybe it wasn't prevalent in like 1996. Um, I had just moved to the United States around that time and have been in the United States for like two years by that point. So I don't think I can really say that I have a firm grasp as to what the cultural zeitgeist was <laughs> around that time. Yeah, no. And I, I think it's, I, I think it's one of those ones where if the writer of this was not native, there would be different reactions to this. Like it's, I think mm-hmm. for both me and Jad, there's kind of a, like, we don't get to criticize this one, but this is definitely the first kind of like, it feels very tropey and maybe like it's in the wrong place of the book almost. Like it was a little bit later on. Like if you finished out the section with this, I think it would work a little bit better. I think like if it was a little bit shorter, it might work a little bit better. I I think my biggest complaint with this, it's too concrete, if that makes any sense. No, yeah, I, I, I get you on that one. It's not mystical enough in some ways. Like it's too, this is exactly what's happening. There's no open into interpretation of it. Like this is forbatim exactly what's going on. This is exactly what it means. It feels very, and it's a tabletop RPG term, I guess, it feels very railroady in its interpretation, which, again, 90s book, maybe that's what you had to do at that point in time, because people weren't used to reading about that part of Native culture, but like in the modern era, I think it it's a little jarring and not in kind of an interesting way and just kind of a, well, this is the first sweat lodge part of the book. Like, to kind of think back on what I've experienced so far, or at least to think back about uh, think back on like what I experienced like as a child back then. Um, I think the most prominent kind of native experience, air quotes, or native storytelling experience I got was like the Mystery Lodge over at Knott's Berry Farm, mm. um, and just kind of the the aspects of spirits and like these character archetypes of these spirits and stuff. I think with this, it's kind of cool that it presents Jay as like this, or Jay Little Hawk as like this almost like superhero. Like once I started thinking about Jay Little Hawk as like a superhero of character, but like he would be the main character while Skip was the sidekick that kind of gets taken into the main character's story. Yeah. Like it started making a little bit more sense um, as to how these characters were balanced because uh, Little Hawk just with chapter six, like he's given the plot. He's yeah. given the, the here, here's what's going on. Here's what you need to do. We don't have how to solve the situation, but we do have like this next step um, from there. Go uh, find the better shaman and maybe he'll figure it out for you. Like to go talk to his grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I think after that is we finally get the confrontation between the Crota and Skip. Which you get the first part where they where they um find the traumatized woman whose name eludes me right now and I feel bad about that. You get the aftermath of the second farm attack, or I guess like Oh, the, the Anna, first farm Anna, yeah, you get, you get the, the Anna farmer's moment, wife. Which, yeah, which I thought was fantastic. I thought kind of Maybe not the best portrayal of trauma, but I think Skip's reaction to, oh, God, I'm handling this completely wrong. Again, I really liked that inner monologue. I think there was something very 
sincere about that and kind of like just the bumblingness of it where it's like we've been through trauma training and dealing with this is very different in the field because people in trauma training are kind of there for training and this is very real this is a woman standing out in the middle of a field that might have frozen to death because she's just stuck and there's just like cow corpses everywhere and i think that's when we finally get like the the entire town is starting to figure out what the hell's going on because before it used to just be like here's a here's like this hush hush murder everyone can kind of keep it quiet local well, papers aren't going to get this and then it just kind of i don't think so the first two murders are maybe it's a bear attack freak accidents happen I think the entire first part of this book takes place in at most 48 hours. Like, I'm pretty sure that, like, at most you're covering two days in this book uh, before you get to the th- the first. Uh, the first part takes place in two days, type of thing. Maybe three tops. I think it might have been the sweat lodge scene that kind of threw me off. Maybe. In terms of, like, timing and everything else like that. Yeah, that's like, the Crota covers a lot of ground. Yeah, uh, but also... And- all implications are the crota has like a tunnel way to get through and is quite fast all on its own. So that, that part mm, didn't mm, bug me. Yeah. I also thought that maybe it had like mystical crota powers, like a teleport or something like that. Wasn't something I had a problem with was how much the crota was getting around. Mm, mm, mm. I, I was kind of more than happy to accept the fact where it's like, Oh, it's some weird spiritual creature thing. It can get around this fast. If I can believe the Demogorgon from stranger things can get around this fast, this thing can definitely move around this fast. Mm. I mean, it did talk about how it was like being chased or it was chasing uh, it was chasing the the legend, <laughs> the legend warrior um, and whatnot. But like that's yeah. that's later on in the book. Yeah. Yeah. So this then leads to our showdown with the Crota. It's this is kind of, I think, where my opinion of the book turned a little bit. I don't think Skip should have survived this, but Skip and the Crota throw down. You get this, maybe it's the lighter, maybe it's the gun, maybe it's broad daylight, but the actual reason is revealed later on. It's actually a... Have they talked about the kind of magical necklace by now at this point? Or was this kind of the first mention of it? They meant No, he mentions he mentions the necklace in like the second oh, right, chapter. When he's getting dressed, yeah, he puts it on his, yeah. his luck charm. Yeah, you're right. No, I think he kept it on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he just sleeps with it um, uh, and whatnot. Because he talks about... Oh, I love this detail. It's in my it's in notes, but uh, he sleeps with his uh, little ch- uh, gorget, apparently. But for whatever reason, it talks about his beefy hands. And that's just kept with me throughout the entire book. Skip's beefy hands. Yeah. But yeah, no, Skip survives the Crota attack for whatever reason. He it's it's not somehow. Known to him. Yeah. Yeah. It's not known to him just exactly. But if you are getting contextual clues from our uh, conversation so far. It's the necklace. Yeah. And it it's like one of the four Deus Ex Machinas that are... I, I, I stop counting after a certain point where I'm just like, oh, another convenient fix is about to happen, isn't it? And then it did. So, I mean, it's one of those... It's one of those things. You know, this absolutely does sound like a 90s, like, made-for-TV yeah. movie. This is a great 90s made-for-TV movie. Oh, yeah, no, I feel a little bit bad because when I picked... When I said, hey, we should do this book, I genuinely like this book, and this was kind of, like I said, about when my opinion on the book started to turn a little bit. Like, it doesn't really fully turn till the third part of the book. But yeah, so this then leads from kind of this very fast-paced monster hunt 
segment to Skip's in the hospital. Are you not going to talk about how he may or may not have hallucinated sleeping with a crota? Uh, I, I was going to put that in the next part, but okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so I guess like the, the, the bridges that we then pick up with unconscious Skip, who's having a variety of dreams, and as Jad just said, uh, what starts off as a sex dream with his wife turns into a sex dream with the crota, which I, I thought was hilarious, but also kind of, why the fuck is this here? Like, what the hell? I think that's where my brain, my brain took off its pants and then put on some a pair of sweats because that was the vibe that I had to like get into because it was no longer like ooh what's this what's this like literature. <laughs> I was trying like really hard to piece out some like symbolism or meaning from that. I'm like, there's got to be a deeper reason than dude just fucked a bear monster, but maybe maybe not. I don't know. Like. I kind of liked initially my idea of like, okay, they're intertwined. Like it's becoming an obsession, like the, the duality of violence and passion. It's like, no, it's just a weird segment. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. That's fine. I feel like that was lifted from like another movie. I There's for whatever reason, like a, a, like a recollection that I'm having. Of course, I also have a goldfish brain as you may or may not have already known. So like, I can't trust my memories at this point. But no, that was one of the funniest experiences to just read through where I'm just like, oh, there's a random sex scene here. Uh, cool, whatever. Let's keep on going. And then it's just like, oh, we're we're boning the crota. Cool. <laughs> cool. And we're in a hospital. Right on. <laughs> Jokes about this, I would say kind of like I did enjoy the fact that like, and again, this was kind of me giving the crota a little bit more mystical credit than maybe it deserved ultimately. Like, I kind of enjoyed the fact that it was like, poisoning skip's mind like it ruined uh dream about his kid it ruined a dream about his wife i really kind of in, i was really interested in the idea that's like oh he's marked now like the crota has made him like it's emissary or something or like he's going to become a crota. i'm like okay maybe this is a werewolf story now that'd be kind of a cool twist you got this like ancient like native interpretation of a werewolf okay cool that'd be neat and no it was just this weird dream sequence that like you could totally cut out and i'm not sure it would matter at all Afterwards, we are introduced to the second part of the story where it kind of builds up to the climax. Um, we are introduced to the scummy mayor just because it's the 90s again. We got to have a scummy mayor yeah. uh, who's in it just for the votes. But I think the key, the key ingredient to the second part is the meeting of Lloyd and um, Jay Little Hawk. I guess the further introduction of Lloyd or the revelation of who Lloyd actually is. You really meet Lloyd at this point. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lloyd is my favorite character in the entire goddamn book. He's known as the undersheriff Lloyd Baxter, a big and tall clothing shopper, even for his wristwatches. And, like, he's got really nothing else going on for him when he's first introduced, but when he meets Jay Lilhawk and Jay Lilhawk talks about, like, hey, so this shit's happening, and he's not, like, being coy about whatever the heck. Jay Little Hawk is just straight up telling Lloyd, like, there's a mystical creature that's come out of the Devil's Boot or the Lost Creek Lost Creek Caves. And he's not mincing words. He's not trying to spit. It's like, no, no, like, he's stripping. It's, it's an ancient evil came out of this thing. It was sealed away. We got to deal with this. And I love that Lloyd's reaction is, I'm going to put that in my pocket and use that to status climb. I'm going to be the sheriff now. He, Lloyd said, I'm, I'm going to do this because I'm going to get votes. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> this is the most 
stupidest decision. But you know what? Stupid decisions make great stories sometimes. I mean, also like the idea of elected sheriff positions is a whole other separate topic. I enjoyed the kind of criticism of that on in this. <laughs> but what's also great was just the weird ragtag team that he ends up assembling in order to go like spelunking in like Lost Creek. You get more of the story behind Lost Creek in chapter three when Jay Little Hawk is like talking about it. Like a kid died there because it was um, some caverns were uh, discovered further in uh, the cave and whatnot. So a lot of people have like kind of gone spelunking or whatever the heck, but it's ended up being like closed off just because of how dangerous it is. Yeah. And this was kind of like, I felt like this section was kind of writing the ship some. Like I really enjoyed how like, Lloyd was that bureaucratic type of evil where it's like, you know, he's going to get a bunch of people killed because he's not taking this or he thinks it's a bear type of thing. But he's smart about his evil. He's putting together a caving team. They're getting equipment. They're getting the good guns out for a type of thing. Like they're they're doing everything correct that you would do in this instance if you just thought this was some like giant monstrous rabbit bear. Mm-hmm. And I love that about this section. Like it's the, despite the fact you have Jay Little Hawk being like, Hey, it's totally a monster. Here's how you kill it almost type of thing. Like the spelling out everything except how to deal with it. You have this guy look at it and go, nah, I'm going to do my thing. But then be like the smartest ignorant person in this topic possible. Like round up all the experts one might need to go hunt this thing. And I love that about this. And I love the fact that like, how much do you know about caving? I don't know very much about caving. So yeah, yeah, I, I love the kind of amount of detail this book chose to put into the caving section because if you've watched any kind of caving videos like i have it is a terrifying hobby for only the craziest of people like the people that go caving caving make skydivers look well adjusted and normal in my opinion i've seen some caving videos where people are just shoving their bodies into tiny little crevices and just being yeah. like i wonder what's on the other side yeah thinking to myself like this is how people die like <laughs> yep. what and not only that, underwater cavers, like, oh, I'm going to swim through this tunnel with my limited oxygen supply. Yep. I wonder what's on the other side. Yep. What the fuck? Like I said, I-, I loved how much kind of detail it put into kind of the dangers of caving and the history of caving. And that, like, at no point does it ever act like this is a good idea. Every point of it's like, this is a bad idea, but we're going to do it. And you know what's my absolute favorite aspect of this is the fact that Jay Hawk just dips. Yeah. Afterwards, he just was like, hey, I'm going to tell the sheriff because the sheriff is supposed to be like an upstart uh, under sheriff because the police is supposed to be an upstanding social collective or whatever the heck. And they're going to do the right thing anyway. By the way, I'm going to go visit my grandpa. So I'm going to be on the other side, not on the other side of the United States, but just like a plane right away at minimum plane right away at minimum. And so he just leaves this information with this guy and this guy just just goes fuck it i'm gonna use this for my personal gain yeah and even then his team ends up like while they're spelunking i think his team or two dudes from his team are just like what if we buy the land on this and turn it into like a theme park or some dumb shit <laughs> With it. and i'm like this is this has to be a like a layered native american criticism about land ownership and land rights that i just am not educated for culturally as well as academically to fully understand but i can see that this is just well we're we're skipping ahead some i guess oh sorry 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 yeah i guess like this section's kind of we're not gonna go into every detail 
the sequence, this kind of whole segment of the book is kind of weird because not a lot happens. It's lots of people talking about like recovery and it's Lloyd making plans and it's Skip being unconscious and Skip's wife being a character that's just kind of there, unfortunately. And it's a very quick segment. Like, and it, it basically the major parts are Skip's dream. Jay Little Hawk tells him about kind of exactly what's going on. Lloyd decides to do the wrong thing and then they go underground. And depending on where you want to mark it, kind of this will re-enter part three. And part three is where this book gets amazing and also gets really bad really quickly because upon kind of diving down, or not diving down, but climbing down or caving down into the depths of the devil's boot, we find a whole city underground. Dude, I can't even tell you. <laughs> I can't do we wanna do we wanna bring up the the uh patreon questions at this point or do we want to um that'll be that's a more of a discussion thing we'll get to that in a couple okay okay okay. but yeah an entire underground city where like we see these civilizations and we see these uh like established like living establishments like made out of uh like fired like like adobe i guess like legit Um, buildings underground like not yeah, yeah yeah stone construct but like legit Hades like a city even here. it's yeah, not even I, just like it's, it's not even just like a, a couple city, yeah. yeah it's not like a couple fucking like oh here's like a small dwelling or whatever the heck like there's like roads there's like architecture there's structure it's like those not encampments but it's like those habitat habitats habitations whatever like, like biodomes no, no 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 hold up it's like those houses that are like built into the sides of the cliff. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, it's an entire kind of city of those. Yeah, but like underground, which honestly, cool as hell because yeah. it's like, oh shit, is there more than one crota? Is there a crota society? Does that mean there's a crota government? Have there been people living down here this entire time that like sent the crota out because they're pissed? Is there something more evil than the crota? Yes, is yeah. the crota like just? Was the crota maybe running from something? Yeah, 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 and like because there's like a re- there's like religious art pa- like painted on the walls of a woman with like two serpents, and I may or may not like that might be in reference to something. Or it might not be in reference to something. Like there's a lot of just cool ideas and cool imagery just being given to us at this point. Yeah, it's it's an incredibly cool thing to throw into the book. As cool as it is, I don't get why it's there in the grand scheme of things, but we'll get to that in a minute. So as leading up to this, we have this kind of whole installation of a telephone wire or not like a a, a radio radio wire because, hey, telephones don't work all that deep underground and the 90s and cell phones don't really exist yet, which I think is actually a very cool mechanic where you kind of establish how they're going to get cut off. And again, it's kind of a Chekhov's gun moment of, so obviously the line gets cut at some point, right? Like we're making such a big deal about how we only have so much cable and it's kind of delicate. And there's one guy up top who's manning and he's the only one that can communicate down to them, et cetera. So he's kind of bad at his job. It's great. And this is the moment you start to talk about, Jad. You have people wandering around and their first reactions were, okay. How do we buy the land of this and Disneyland of this shit? Basically, I and there's a specific. It's great. There's a specific quote that just threw me for a fucking loop. 
because it wasn't even because there's there's a caving professor that's part of the crew but one of just like he i don't even think he was like a higher up position or anything else like that but it, it was, was like the cops yeah it was just the cops he's just like well i'll be damned akiva and i'm like a what and everyone else in the story was like oh what it's like well my wife subscribes to national geographic and let me tell you what akiva is and I'm just like, is, are we just getting Deus Ex Machina on like a small, like a Deus Ex Lesser Machina right now as to an expl- explanation of like what the hell this that city is? That didn't bug is? me so much. I kind of enjoyed again, like the small detail of this guy reads National Geographic. That makes him a slightly more well-rounded character. Good for you, small town cop. I just thought like I, I just thought that was such a funny yeah. character, no, it's- character edition. I'm not saying that that was awful or anything else with my like fake deus ex machina thing but it was just such a weird moment i love weird moments but it was such a weird moment (laughs) it definitely starts a trend of a bunch of these people knowing a little bit too much about things that why the fuck would they know anything about like but in in turn hey whatever that was just a really poignant moment of the book yeah i don't remember did did all of them die before the native the native avengers assembled or was that yes Okay. Um. Yeah. So, and this is where the timeline gets a little bit wonky because um, Jay Little Hawk and his grandpa, whose name eludes me. Do you have it? It's Eagle, I think, or something. Mm, why can't I find it in my notes? No, I don't have it for whatever reason. Because I I have him in my characters introduced Jay's grandpa. I'm really bad at remembering characters' no, names. I'd write it down either. Yeah. So. Yeah, so it's kind of around this time that Jay Little Hawk and his grandpa are coming back from a reservation that they were at, kind of. We skipped a whole scene of basically Jay Little Hawk explaining the situation to his grandpa and grandpa saying, hey, I'm going to come back with you and we'll deal with this type of thing. Like, I'm better at this than you are, blah, blah, blah. And again, another unbelievably regrettable scene in the book involving women where just you're like, why, but why is this here? Plays out with them. And I think it kind of, messes with my perceptions of the characters some because it really doesn't need to be there but we'll talk about how goddamn 90s this book is in a few minutes i know like and that's the thing i know it's supposed to be a weird light-hearted moment to end to humanize a character i guess or create a comedic moment to soften the tension from literally the entire sheriff's team all dying but it's just so such a weird and uncomfortable situation where like yeah. you were just introduced to Jay Little Hawk's grandfather, who is a very respected shaman in uh, amongst his peers um, and very respected uh, elder in the reservation. And apparently and they, a world class lech, too. Oh, I know. Like, what the fuck? Like, I hate an- I hate perverted anime trope uh, characters. Yeah, and it I, just it's... ruins like an entire anime for me if I cannot stand like one of the main characters for this. But it was just such a weird thing where, like, you literally just finished a vision quest with your grandpa. And, like, now you're on an airplane and the grandfather is making a pass at one of the flight attendants. And it's like, oh, my lord. It's a moment. But, yes, like you said, around this time, kind of in the book, the entire cop team gets TPK'd. You get the weirdest moment of people running on the roofs of this underground city to avoid the crota. And... As much as I enjoy the death of the guy, like, falling through and then getting dragged down or kind of, like, eaten from the waist up or something along those lines, I thought that was pretty sweet. That was a cool scene. Yeah, it's a weird couple sequences. But I think also it 
was this where they find the cave or the dwelling that the crota had emerged from or was that what was that discovered by jay and skip i think it's mentioned that shows up later in a more detailed way okay like, okay i, okay. I, I kind of so and this is kind of me giving the uh, book some points i think it, it really does deserve in this case i really do appreciate that like no one except for hey that's a that guy has any real appreciation for any of what's going on or anything of where they are like i think it's one of those ones where they're this there to kill this bear and this one guy's like i can disneyland this shit like he no one cares about any of the historical value of this the kind of like archaeological anthropological aspects of it like no one ever stops to think wait there's a bear down here like we're really deep in these caves why is a bear coming this deep in the okay fine whatever fuck it bears down here i guess like there's a lot of kind of very dumb again we don't realize we're in a horror movie thought process. And I really enjoy that. Like it's around this time. Skip shows up, tries to get a hold of them via the radio as they're getting torn apart type of thing. And it ends with, in theory, everyone down in, down in the hole dead, which surprising. No one, the Crota took them all out type of thing. So I had a bunch of shotgun blasts, did the Crota thing, which I stalked a couple of them, got behind them, got the high ground, whatever you want to call it. Just kind of, really did some damage i'm telling you man this this is this would have been a phenomenal made for television yeah like movie yeah give it a sci-fi budget <laughs> yeah some some bad cg for the crota yeah it could work but at that point when jay little hawk and his grandpa kind of touched down he they link up with skip because skip is now given the lowdown as to what's going on and I think this is kind of where both me and Jad agree. Like the book goes from kind of like, okay, it could go either way. There's been some kind of rough moments, but like it's been fun so far, at least to just kind of a string of deus ex machina coincidences that just get weirder and weirder with every section or every chapter. My notes says deus ex grandma because yes. <laughs> this 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 the la- one of the last visions that happens is just we are given the entire plot. If we didn't catch it earlier, we're given the entire plot with this scene about like and again with no kind of flowery or metaphorical or kind of like open to interpretation language. Like it's all very. This is exactly what's going on. There's no ambiguity to this. Like. It's like someone's reading from a monster manual going, Crota, level five challenge monster. Because that's when we find out that Skip also has native heritage. He's what, a quarter or half? It's quarter, right? Quarter from his grandmother. And with that native heritage and the gorget he found in Lost Creek, which happens to also be an anti-Crota charm. Quite possibly from the people that put the Crota in the ground originally. Remember that whole deus ex coincidence thing we were talking about? This is where it kicks into high gear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's literally handed the tools to, to defeat the Crota because he climbs up into his attic and You're finds missing us. the worst part. So oh. you get this whole long conversation from Jay Little Hawk and his grandpa about how there's these arrows, like they have to have the special weapon to kill the Crota, like, and the tribe's sacred arrows are kind of under lock and key and, like, Skip literally gets a dream earlier on in the book about how, yo, there's this chest in the roof of your house. 
it's probably useful. So they tells him about this. And they're like, well, you should go find that chest. And Skip's like, chest does things. I've been up in my closet. I've been up in my um attic hundreds of times. No chest. Goes up in the attic again. And it just happens to be there, basically. Oh, but he's like mystically, mystically led there. There's like a flickering I, light or some shit. I refuse to engage with that section. I'm just like, oh, the the the, the um waypoint got turned on finally. <laughs> and so he finds like a he finds like a, a false wall, and behind there is the chest with his grandmother's medicine shawl as well as the arrows, and then like a resupply of magic. And items. Not just arrows, but like three potentially like most culturally important arrows to exist in the modern world type of thing. Like hypothetically, these are some of the most valuable cultural items found in centuries, if not ever hypothetically, like that's how they're kind of presented, which on one hand is cool. And on the, and totally makes sense. This you feel the credit with makes absolute sense. On the other hand, they've been chilling in skips attic in a chest behind a false wall and that's stupid and it's it's one of those things where it's like when i when i turned my brain into accepting that this is like a superhero like action like movie and whatnot or superhero action narrative i was like cool awesome i just have to lower my age expectancy to kind of get to where i need to be in order to kind of float on by but then there's the sex scene and i'm just like okay so i can't be like a nine-year-old reading this because well it's also hyper violent but like the 80s were also hyper violent it's true i don't know why but like if you had to dig up the chest i'd have been fine with it. it's the fact that it's in the attic behind a fake wall that irks me to no end like if there was like he got to his house and like had to wander around there's a tree that like see there, there's so many kind of cool naturalistic things you could have done like the tree beckons to him and he starts digging at the bottom of the tree or if he and, finds like, it finds like, a, in a chest vision quest yeah. like yes. or, like he finds it there and like he didn't really actually go anywhere like he's in a sweat lodge and then after his fucking vision like he's holding it i would have absolutely been like tight awesome he's been blessed by like his ancestors or he's been blessed they by, talk like, about kind people. of parallel worlds enough where it's like what if that second sweat lodge scene had resulted in him like reaching into the parallel and pulling like it out third sweat lodge scene. I think there's like the third sweat lodge scene. Yeah, I, I know. So the first one kind of established. Yeah, there's parallel dimensions in this thing. Like it's, it's, it's part of kind of the lore we're working with. So like, I, I, yeah, if it had just been kind of like waiting for him to reach out and grab it and pull it into the real world, I'd have been fine with that too. It's the fact that it's just that'd have been tight. Up, it's, it's it's just up in his attic in a box behind a fake wall that I'm like, this is just stupid. Like, what if the house had burned down? Like, there, there's so many what ifs where it's like, so. Guy could have just sold the house and three incredibly important cultural artifacts would just be potentially lost to time kind of thing. Like it's, I don't know why it bugs me so much. It was just in a box up in the attic, but it does. And maybe it's unfair to harp on that too much, but like it's, I can make my peace with, Hey, we have these fancy arrows you use to kill the Crota. It's the fact they were just kind of treated like bad Halloween costumes up in the attic that I'm like that, that feels shitty. Like the, reveal for them is bad the yeah and that's why i was talking about like the age range in which i would be reading this because if this was like a young adult novel like that kind of delivery of the of like the plot or the problem solver i would have accepted a lot easier 
but because of the earlier content of this yep. book, because like when we, we went to talk, when it talks about the killings and everything else like that, the murders and whatnot, or the damage that the code does, it's super detailed. They're visceral and gory and great. Yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. Adult, <laughs> adult fiction. And then you get these plots, which is a little bit more young adult fiction. And it's like, okay, this is a little. And then you find the temple item and you expect, and you expect the book to go. Yeah. <laughs> this is exactly what happened. And now you can go fight the boss, of the temple. Well, I mean, first you got to get the J little Hawks grandpa to explain to you what exactly these are, uh, bless them. And then uh, give you that poignant moment where like he adorns um, skip with the, with the shawl, correct? The blanket or no. That's yeah, afterwards. that sounds right. That, nothing that happens later. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise like, you got to use these arrows against the Crota. It's going to, it's going to mortally wound it. It's going to kill it and everything else like that. But the grandpa's not coming along. The grandpa is going to be there in spirit. So it is J and uh, it is J little Hawk and skip going to devil's boot by themselves. And I love the number of times that Jay little Hawk reminds skip your ass with a bow and arrow in this segment. I really do love it actually. Cause nothing would bug me more if they drop some line about Skip being like a master bow hunter or something. Oh yeah. No, it's great. <laughs> Jay was like, Jay really was like, dude, no, absolutely not. Your I'm gun's not, not going to work. God arrows. No, we're, I, I'm the one using those. We're not using the good ammo on your shaky ass hands, <laughs> but that's when they dip out. You do get the uh, prophecy or the kind of, caveat to solving the issue is that you need four warriors to defeat the crota um jay's uh, jay's grandpa jay and skip there's three so where's number four spoilers it's lloyd he's alive still somehow he's 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 pissed he's pissed further cementing lloyd as my favorite character of the book the man has been kept alive by rage but we're getting ahead of ourselves yeah Anyway, they visit the cave, and Jay is rolling nat twenties on all these goddamn survival and nature checks. Like it's not even, it's not even like, oh man, this guy has really good hearing in this super quiet cave because he's hearing bugs scurrying or whatever the heck. No, this dude, this dude is just absolutely fucking killing it, navigating through this like city, <laughs> not getting lost. Yeah, I like given how the book had gone at this point, I was really kind of waiting for us to have like a. I've imbibed some substance that gives me like the ability to do this, but no, it's just I'm doing this apparently. Like, and I I was just kind of done with the book at this point. I do love the little detail of <laughs> Jay trying to teach Skip the like advanced hearing techniques. Yeah, or focusing your or focusing your fucking spirit pressure, I guess. To yeah, like pick these things up and so he puts sage in his ear and it's like use this to to focus and jay's just like what the fuck is happening <laughs> too little too fucking late i'm sorry like you can't introduce spirit pressure this late on in the book and have me not go oh another battle mechanics been added to this we've got the magic arrows we now have spirit pressure mind you spirit pressure is not the actual verbiage used i know. In the book i just picked that up from bleach which i, I think which it's actually enough, called pressure though like it's is it i, no. I think it was no, I mean, I, I've never actually read Bleach, but, like, I do know enough, like, weird little things about it, but, like, oh, gosh, okay, I'm gonna have to look look that up again. 
no, but that's how it's definitely described in the book too. Was like it's a it's a presence, it's oppressive, it's and again, like the idea of it is cool. The fact that there seems to be this kind of miasma that exists around the crota, really cool idea wasted on a not great monster at this point. But yeah, I do think They're, that it's super funny though that it it kind of pokes fun at Jay not being able to summon all of these powers, I guess, because he hasn't had the shaman training that... Sure. Sorry, sorry uh, Skip cannot pull up these uh, mystical powers yeah, that I, I, Jay had trained on. But it's a weird kind of self-aware jab that I don't know if it's aware of the other uh, of the other kind of tropes that's happening. And we say that with tropes being like, oh, we have far more like knowledge of tropes in 2023 but like going back to like going back to the publishing and whatnot like i don't know this is a very hurried let's get to let's get to the final let's get to the final boss fight yeah and it it definitely feels like okay i need to finish this book already god damn it so things are just happening now and things and dude just happen we get our fight with the crota surprise surprise they missed the first couple times the arrows crota's pissed Eventually, Lloyd shows up to save the goddamn day like the hero he is. Gets killed for it, as he should. There's a river that they go to at one point, because apparently that's important all of a sudden, despite it never being mentioned prior to this. And No, they, they kind of mention it in the sense of, like, Lost Creek is called Lost Creek because a river falls, or a river runs through it. I meant more of the kind of the grounding aspect of it, the fact that maybe the Crota gets less powerful when he's underwater physically literally or metaphorically or i guess like technically i guess i don't know i i think it's i think it's like talked about in the legend because the warrior chases the crota into the cave oh i guess we need to talk about the legend and whatnot because so the crota was like this fearsome beast that was terrorizing just like the surface world until like a warrior and a couple other warriors had the idea of just like we need to seal this dude into the cave and so they chased him into not that long ago like 1800s long ago i think is what they throw at it at one point like it's not some ancient thing this yeah it's it's like pre-colonial it's not even prehistoric um but they chase it into the cave and they seal the cave by kind of sacrificing themselves and so you actually do see like almost like canoptic jars or just yeah. like the you see canoptic jars like remains in the, yeah. uh, remains in the cave um and like the actual bodies of like multiple people just kind of lined up uh that was in like some sort of fossa or some sort of like sealed up with rock hideaway and whatnot which I think was kind of like a cool sort of thing that this legend is a one-to-one translation, just because a lot of native histories is through oral tradition. And so you get a lot of native technologies and native science passed down through these storytellings and stuff, much like the earthquakes and volcanic activity in like uh, Washington state. Again, there's some really cool ideas we will talk about in kind of broader terms in a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just no, no, I get I, down a road. I also, at this point, we should it. just be kind of talking about this in broader, more poignant detail, but we have to get through the summary so we can do that. Yeah. No, yeah, so uh, there's a gunfight. 
Um, Crota's Turns hit out with guns a, don't work. As was already kind of explained, yeah. but you gotta got you gotta have a gunfight. Crota gets hit by an arrow and falls into the river. Does he fall into the river? I like I, I wasn't really sure, honestly. Like I kind of I kind of hurried my way through the ending during my reread because it wasn't like super man, this is a really bad <laughs> summary ending. I'm gonna be very honest. Uh I was I was kind of hurrying to finish the book at this point. I was kind of hurrying to finish the book at this point. So I may or may not have lost like some important details, but like, no. And and I think kind of like, I, I think this entire part of the book is weak across the board. If I'm being honest, I think like the fight is bad. Like the the pacing is all over the place and like, it just kind of ends. They go up top. Jay reveals he's going back to the res with his grandfather, with his grandfather kind of thing. They're not staying around. Maybe Skip can come visit, whatever, and then Skip goes home, and his deaf son can now hear. And oh yeah, we forgot to mention Billy Junior is deaf mute. <laughs> like yeah, I don't. What he experienced was it like some sort of trauma or like it's not was... really ever explained. They hint at it type of thing, but yeah, it's something along those lines. Or at least I'm not remembering it in great detail. But yeah, my issue is I have a hard time remembering anything about the fight with the Crota. Because it's immediately followed by this very weird epilogue that, like, if you look at it kind of sideways, you're like, wait, someone broke into Skip's house and now his kid can hear. That's not good. It wasn't even someone. It was, like, Jay Littlehawk's dad, or Jay Littlehawk's grandpa, because it talks about how Billy Jr. is holding Jay, or is holding his grandpa's headdress and feather, like his feather headdress and band. Yeah. Like in his hands and he's seeing old McDonald and it, whatnot. And it was like that reading that epilogue and just reading that extremely nineties, everyone feels great ending obliterated yeah. anything yeah, that no, happened within like a two hour time frame before and after. <laughs> I have notes about the fight here that don't make sense to me because they keep referencing. And then the goddamn ending happens. I have four notes that end with, and then the ending happens. Dear God. I think I stopped. Re- I don't know if I stopped taking notes or something like that, but that also happens in my, in my notes where all it is is in all caps, this ending with like six G's. So 90s, holy shit, like, how old is Billy Christ? Well, so thank you for joining us for our summary of Crota. Let's let's get into it. Not that we have not been getting into this. Like, let's, let's talk about the 90s factor right off the bat, because it's been a while since I read something this 90s or engaged with something this 90s. Would I recommend this to somebody? Yes, actually, I did. Um, that's why we're talking about this now. But I, I would recommend it with caveats. When Charlie had mentioned, hey, let's do the Crota, I was like, just heads up. It's going to be a very interesting kind of read. I didn't want to I didn't want to pass judgment on it because I'm not saying that it's a bad book. It's just very dated. And I think the biggest challenge is just getting over something that is 30 years old, almost 30 years old at this point. When we've already well, had this 30, many. Yeah. yeah, when we've had this many advancements in like narrative like narrative construction i'm not saying that like like solid or complex narratives were kind of uh non-existent back then but for we're not saying good narratives didn't exist to the 2000s they existed prior to this but the 90s writing definitely had a 
vibe to it? For a first book published in 1996, I think this is like a solid two and a half to three. Is it a phenomenal book? No. Is it yeah, a fun I, read? Yes. It. I, I give it. It's it's fine. I, I I enjoy the pacing of it. And talking to my wife about it, she did not enjoy the pacing of it. I I can say I was never bored in reading this book. I, I was annoyed, frustrated, hands up in the air. What the fuck is going on? But I was never bored reading this book. Which anytime I can say I was never bored reading a book, it still gets like it was fine. Like it, it was. Was I offended by this book? No. Did I hate this book? No. It's fine. It's a book. I. I'm not saying I enjoyed it, enjoyed it, but like there are moments of this book I liked a lot and the rest of it's fine. It exists. If you want to have a popcorn romp for a book that you can borrow at the library and just kind of enjoy on like a bus ride or if you've got like four hours and stuff like that, this is something that you could totally pick up and kind of just kind of just kind of go through as well. Um, I personally have yet to read through any of um, Al going back's uh, more recent works. I think the most one that's the most available to me right now is Coyote Rage, which honestly is, I it's it's not daunting, but it's one of those things where it's like, man, it's called Coyote Rage. It's got a coyote man just kind of like on the cover, and it looks a little corny, but that's honestly a little bit more enticing for me to go ahead and read that. Yeah, I, I will. Sp- I will say that even after kind of my mixed views on this book, I would read another book by Owl going back because I'm kind of curious how he matures. Because, again, there's some stuff here I like uh, a lot. Like, I think the first act, despite some kind of stumbles, is a really strong first act of book. I really enjoy up until you get inside the Crotus head. I love what they're doing with the horror. of. I think the pacing is really good. I love kind of how just alien and monstrous and powerful that we're having to describe how powerful it is and kind of just unbelievably supernatural the crota feels until you're in its head it's basically one line away from saying bro i'm gonna kill those cows it'll be super rad bro like that's unfortunately the crota's personality as best i can tell but up until that moment i was kind of in on this i thought it was a great monster even after that it's a cool idea for a monster the underground city is super cool. No idea why the fuck it's in this book, but like the reveal, that's kind of neat. Like I enjoyed how everyone's reactions to that were written. I think it felt very like there are parts of the book that feel unbelievably honest in people's reactions and kind of how people process through, yo, it's a monster or like, again, part of why I like Lloyd is he sees a chance to rapidly advance his career by doing kind of the right thing just going out and dealing with the quote bear because skips in the hospital having dreams about fucking the crota apparently like personally i know that there's a lot of like native humor that's just in this book that i'm not gonna culturally culturally get immediately but because of my exposure to other forms of like yeah native written entertainment or native written narratives like I can kind of see these things about just like purchasing the fucking land, yes, and turning it into a Disney that section. Yeah, yeah. The, the segments of this book that are great, I think, are great. Like, yeah, the the back and forth about buying the land is fucking amazing, and yeah, it, it's it's moments like that that make me curious about what Owl going back can do because the guy has moments of really great writing. They're just sandwiched between moments of really badly written fight scenes or one too many Deus Ex Machinas or. 
hey, the magic arrows were in a box up in your attic the entire time. Skip. And I think, and here's the thing, like, I know I when I first mentioned, like, the first Spirit Lodge scene, it's actually a really well-written scene, in my opinion. Like, see, for Jay Little Hawk to just be engaging, with, like, with his culture, with this, with this practice that was taught by his grandfather. I think it goes on a little bit too long, but yeah, I can't fault it for kind of what it's doing. The fact that, like, second kind of spiritual scene was belittled by like the lewd airplane scene immediately afterward and then the third scene being skips deus ex grandma i just kind of threw me for a just kind of threw yeah me for a loop. I, it's like it's one of those things where i i love just kind of this loving aspect in describing these scenes describing this ritual and just kind of the power and like the person the purse the intimacy uh the intimacy behind it it just gets a little weird i guess in in uh juxtaposition to where it's at in the book i can agree with that yeah i think it's i think the first one is in the wrong spot i think if skip gets attacked and then that thing happens i think that works a little bit better i think there's a couple kind of parts if you move around the book works a little bit better, but that's just me kind of critiquing writing at that point. That's not completely fair in some ways. I, I don't know. Like, I think it's, I like that they're there. I think they're a little too, we're going to now tell you exactly what you need to do. There's no kind of quest or ambiguity about it, which maybe I'm just not familiar enough with the kind of how it works, but my understanding and even kind of what the book hints at, it's supposed to be a little bit more kind of figuring out what the fuck you just got told. And that's not how they come across to me, at least, I guess. Like, and here's the thing, like, I would have appreciated, I guess I would have appreciated it more in a narrative, in a narrative sense, if it was a, if it was a means of wayfinding and just for them to discover, like, how to get these, or how to find these answers, rather than it being yeah. like, let me just connect with my, with, with my spirit encyclopedia, so that way I can figure out what the fuck's yeah. going on. Like, let me just ask Ancestor Google, like. I'm a role mystic ancestors and see what pops out um yeah yeah that's uh that's that's crota i I mean like i'm not saying that's crota and i, I, I think up. we just, have to also talk about the book's not great treatment of women like they're just kind of there yeah and I, I think like when you kind of were like this is the most 90s thing i've read in a while i think that was what struck me first was that like you have the snaggletooth waitress I, it's <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's really weird really goddamn weird i i guess like it kind of makes it there's a whole segment in the first part we just didn't talk about because it doesn't actually matter at all every segment of this book has at least a couple moments where just like they're there and you read them because they're there and they happen and you're like okay cool why was this 10 pages here or something like you get introduced, yeah. yeah. You get introduced to like a diner crew and like the Filipina owner, and you think that they're going to be involved in the story, but it's literally just. And here's this. This is this is a scene to describe why Skip has coffee. Yeah, and it's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> no, and I think it's in these scenes that you have these kind of moments of the flip side of okay it's cool you have these like little like vignettes of these people and you get kind of a good sense of them it's like why is there this much detail in this scene like it's okay is anything important going to happen here no um okay 
Like this was a movie script that was adapted into a book because no one was picking it up. These scenes definitely feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, I know it seems like we're just kind of harping on this book. And that was not the intent for this. I really no. liked this book up until the third segment. And then I'm like, eh. Like, I, I really was on high spirits when I was <laughs> recommending it to Charlie. Yeah. And Charlie was in the same spirits when he recommended it to his wife. It was just kind of as we all coalesced into finishing up the finishing up the story, it just kind of it kind of went out with a splash, not with like a big splash, but just kind of like a yeah, it, it goes out with just so much weird. And like I, I, I liked the first two parts of this book, specifically the first part of this book, so much. I spent almost as much. That's not fair. I, I spent a lot of time trying to do some research on this book to try and like understand it better. Like I, I felt like I was missing something, maybe, or like there's just some deeper meaning. Like the the amount of time I spent researching is the Crota an initial kind of like a, a character from this book or is it kind of a larger mythology thing within native culture? I, I was genuinely intrigued by that. Like in the first chunk of this book, like lots of stuff was cool. Lots of stuff had my attention. Lots of stuff. I'm like, I'm oh, my research of this shit. Like I'm, I was hooked. But then you ended up on the destiny wikis. And then I went up on the destiny wiki a bil- billion times because they also have something called Crota and that, and it makes researching this book almost goddamn impossible which is not this book's fault but i really want to make jokes about that and i'm angry about that still because i really (laughs) wanted to kind of like dive into this book more and then i read more of the book and kind of i'm like i'm not this is not worth my time to kind of invest in this this way i and i I really wanted to I, i cannot express how cool i think the first part of this book is with a couple flaws here and there but like it felt like it was recovering in the second part, and then the third part happened, and I'm just like, yeah, the, the third part, the, the the fight happened, Crota got defeated, Skip's kid got his hearing back, it's just whatever. Okay, like, so, but let's, uh, I, I think this is a good way to transition to the third part, into yes. the third part, in using the, in using Crota at, just as a source material itself. You could take a lot of really phenomenal inspiration oh, from yeah. this book and adapting it into your own narrative on build, let's say, like a Delta Green mission. Because <laughs> as I was reading through this, I was like, this is so Delta Green coded, it's not even funny. Literally the first half of this book is the preamble to a Delta Green operation. Like I, I was reading this going, like, you'd have to change absolutely zero for this to work. Like, and I actually have it written down kind of thing. Like I Reading this book is what gave me the idea for, hey, we should talk about this in kind of terms of turning it into a tabletop RPG scenario. I think, like, and kind of put some framing on this, I think the obvious choice for this is Delta Green or Call of Cthulhu or something. Like, it's an investigation. It's you're going after one monster. I always pick Delta Green because it kind of feels a little bit more Delta Green adjacent, where, like, there are cops involved as investigating to do. There's actually a lot of kind of interesting clues to get into. There's research to be done. There's forensics. There's all kinds of that kind of nitty gritty cop stuff you can dig into. I thought for a big chunk of this book, hey, the Crota's a fancy Wendigo or something like that. I'm like, oh, cool. It's Jack. It's like it's Jack Frost and Jason. It gave me kind of similar vibes to that. Like, yeah, I, I I was very into what the Crota was, and I found it very inspiring and very kind of interesting to think about. And so, kind of, I broke this down into there are three versions of Crota you can run as a tabletop RPG. And I have it broken down as kind of the PG-13, the as-written, and then, as I call it, the Delta Green version of it. 
which is kind of putting more of a mythos spin on it. And do I kind of work through those three, I guess? Yeah. Um, I want to throw in just kind of my, uh, uh, my contribution to this with the, as written, I would actually definitely recommend monster of the week for yeah. this as well. It is a, I'm actually, I'm not super familiar with this game. I've played it a couple times with some of my homies, but it's basically like you're, you're the fucking Scooby squad from Buffy and it's written much like how like these, that kind of vibe of television shows uh, kind of work, whether you literally have monster of the week, you have your character archetypes and you're just kind of flying through the plot and doing some mild investigations. Yeah as you go along and how you do well in those investigations is basically how well you fare with the monster of the week. But if anything else, the PG 13 version, I would kind of give that back to you uh, just because I feel like you have a lot more as our resident GM uh, extraordinaire. Oh yeah. I, I found this book fascinating. Cause like it, it, this was the, I was rewriting parts of this book to not, not cause I thought they were bad because I was putting my own spin on them as I was reading it, which I thought was kind of a fun backdrop for me i guess is something so the pg-13 version is not that different from the as written i think it's one of those ones where kind of either you do make it like pg-13 the D equivalent of whatever like the, the we're going on an adventure we're gonna do the thing like you basically simplify it down to you gotta find the arrows i might i, I think all of these revolve around skip either dies or is in the hospital for a lot longer all these kind of start where Skip gets attacked. That's the cutoff point, I guess, is the way of thinking of it. Like, I think the first part of this is a really good kind of, here's the backdrop for all of this. You have this monster terrorizing things. And I think kind of the PG-13 version is pretty um, straightforward. Basically, it's go to Jay, get a blessing, get the arrows, find where Crota's at, go in there, have your big, cool boss fight against this monster. Maybe it's got some mini Crota's it throws at you or something. Maybe it actually has some bears, like, I think there's a version of this where you have Crota be like the king of bears in addition to being Crota. Makes it kind of a little more interesting where it has a bit of a dominion or something. That's neither here nor there. But yeah, I think like it plays very much like a supernatural episode at that point. It's about kind of scooping up enough information to kind of get the basics of the lore. And yeah, it's a very straightforward thing. It's not quite... Ra- I'm not saying it's on rails, but yeah, it's to find the three clues, go in there, get it, and Bob's your uncle at that point. The as written, I think we kind of talked about how it's kind of already written like a good introduction. Like, I think it's, I think Skip dying and the guy with the dog living and being your kind of like introduction to something weird is going on, I think works a little bit better from a tabletop RPG perspective. That's the only change I would make, I think, because Skip is inherently kind of a good, trustworthy person, blah, 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 blah. So I think having the police run by Lloyd makes that dynamic more interesting and the guy that has the heart attack i think it's a really good kind of like um metering effect where you can kind of if your players get stuck he wakes up from the heart attack he's been in a coma or kind of been unconscious or kind of not been capable of meeting people and he can kind of like help push it along or kind of like you're playing it as really as a bear like you can play as the cops at that point you can play as kind of some investigators there's a bunch of kind of fun setups you can do that kind of put your people there and you really play at the animal attack aspect of it. Maybe you throw in a couple more crota attacks on livestock or something. Maybe a couple more people get attacked, but like either you use the police raid that goes very badly or getting to talk to the only survivor kind of is asking about his dog constantly. And maybe then you go find his dog as opposed to him type of thing. I think that's, 
the kind of as written version I would run at that point. You could also just insert yourself as kind of competing with the police or following up on the police at that point. But yeah, I think that's, I, again, it's very weird how well written this thing is to just use the first part as just a straight setting primer at that point. May I throw in a complication? Sure. So I'm in love with the idea of how the, of how Al going back kind of creates a almost like narrative parallel to the legend, how the conquering of the Crota is intrinsically to um, just having a warrior of like a specific people defeating it. Now, I understand that escort missions are not exactly everyone's favorite in a video game, but I think it would be really interesting if it's one of those uh, moments where you have to assist, uh, you have to assist Jay uh, in defeating the Crota, and like he becomes a key character in keeping alive as well as just kind of taking along with you. Yeah, I think there's a cool version where both the kind of PG thirteen version and the as written. It's about kind of getting Jay or Jay's grandpa in there to kind of banish, defeat, whatever the right phrase is, the proto for you at that point. I don't think it's a wrong take, but I think, or sorry, I'm not like trying to say like this is the correct take or anything else like that. But I think it's, for me, it's one of those things where I think it'd just be really interesting to have like like almost this outsider in your party. Yeah. who has just that much more of like a very specific like connection to this. And it, cause like the way that I took this book was that Jay was the main character. Yeah. And it's just not the main, it's just not the character you see most often. I don't disagree yeah. with that. I think the one complication that comes up with your complication is, you know, what feels bad from a player perspective, not getting to do the cool thing. Mm, mm. I mean, but like, much like how the prof- much how like how the prophecy was kind of given with like the four warriors, Lloyd being the fourth warrior, I think it's kind of cool to kind of be part of it or just kind of lift somebody up in order to kind of yeah team like team win uh whatever the heck I don't know like i maybe it's because I'm more geared to playing like the team up and whatnot rather than trying to get that moment for myself um whatever i play uh because like being able to be the person that the monk launches off of in order to get the extra 20 feet of jump so that way he could suplex a dragon is just as cool as suplexing the dragon no no i get that yeah and i think kind of the the fine line you're walking at that point is it's kind of a it becomes a MacGuffin character slash uh, GM insert PC, which can be done well. I think it's kind of a bit of a gamble at that point. I think it's, I think it's one of those ones where kind of like when I was reading it, the J in the cave part definitely kind of reads, unfortunately, like, oh, this is a GM that got sick of the party's bullshit and just put his own <laughs> character in the game now. And it's like fucking speed running this because he knows what the puzzles are. And he's just like, I roll dark vision. I roll fucking perception i roll nature sense i roll this because he knows exactly what he has to to kind of just keep it fucking moving at that point and i think there's better ways of doing that but i also kind of like just even reading the book i got sick of jay knowing how to do every fucking thing Mm, yeah he was he was like a 
I'm not saying a self-insert character, but like because of the fact that there's an army background and everything else like that, it did feel after knowing, after reading like uh, Owl going backs, like history and everything else like that, it did feel I mean, a little like uh, it's a little bit. Jay's too- a fucking superhero. That's not like yeah, it's not. Yeah. Let's not kind of beat around the bush on this one. Like he is the fucking level five D and D character in the town of level one NPCs, where it's like. Man, this guy's a fucking badass. Look how much better at everything he is than anyone who's ever existed in this town. Comparative to comparative to Skip, who's yeah. just like literally that dude who just found out like, oh, I have a great destiny before yeah. me, but I do not have the skills in order for me to in order for me to execute it. Like Uncliff is even a party member. Yeah. He's like he he's there for the escort. Like maybe he becomes something later, maybe not. Like Maybe if he says I'm one quarter native enough times, he suddenly becomes an important character. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So how would you Delta Green this? All right. So I think there's actually kind of a couple. You can leave the Crota exactly as the Crota and make it a Wendigo and kind of do a cool Wendigo story with it. But I think that's lazy, easy, not at all respectful to kind of actually how cool some of the details of this goddamn thing are. And I came up with kind of two if I was going to adapt this for kind of a negative modifier story arc, essentially, here's what I would do. And my two options are serpent people or that Crota is the byproduct of something actually. So more or less things are the same. All the murders happen. I think again, I kill skip. I, I think the story is better if skip dies from a, from a kind of quest giver NPC interactive standpoint, I think having, guy that an unreliable person saying i got attacked by a monster have you seen my dog is a much better hint at things are fucking weird than skip or jay and i think kind of maybe jay becomes kind of a research option where like maybe jay's smart if you're going i'm staying the fuck out of this type thing i'm gonna get the hell out of here type of thing like i can't kill this shit or something like that like you're all gonna die and the ticking clock in the background is getting to jay before he leaves town or something like that that's that's details at that point. I'm not really sure kind of what you would go with at that point. But so going to the kind of easier of the two, I think. So there's serpent people in the Cthulhu mythos. They're not super well used in Delta Green because a giant reptile person is kind of a hard thing to do in a modern concept. But kind of applying some Call of Cthulhu mythos to this and kind of taking a couple liberties. Serpent people live underground. They live in caves. They have giant crazy tunnel networks. They have underground cities. What if you have, so the city that exists, what if it's kind of a fancy underground city of serpent people? What if it's way fucking deeper in the earth? The earthquake opened up its seal and the sand, it's been a, it's been a spawning pool or a breeding pool or something. And a couple young or adventurous or the few serpent people left in the city that aren't kind of in hibernation or in egg sacs have come up to see what the fuck's up on the surface and they're hungry and they're doing the murders and because serpent people can shapeshift and turn invisible you get kind of this like monster in plain sight in the town it still kind of maintains that same monstrous presence they get a little more mystical at that point because serpent people have magic and you get to kind of lean into kind of some of the more native kind of beliefs around snakes and whatnot and kind of there's a bunch of ties that do overlap there and you can kind of play with that it's not my favorite version. I think it's kind of, it lends itself to a very tactical ending to kind of the operation, I guess is the way of thinking of it, where 
you're storming the lizard person city or storming the serpent person city at the end and you're doing battle or you're sealing it up. Like, I think it's, you present the option of just get a bunch of C4 and rebury the entrance or you don't go in. The version I like more is that the crota is unimportant or that like killing the crota isn't the solution. It's just a temporary fix to the problem. So I personally think the coolest part of the entire book is the underground city. Honestly, I think it's surprising. I think it's an interesting thing that's not utilized enough. I wish it had kind of had a more important role in it. And I guess kind of my idea was, okay, you have this underground city, the native population of the area sealed away this underground city for a reason of some kind type of thing. Like, and the Crota is coming in through a portal, a ritual, a thing that makes Crota deep in the city. And it becomes more of a story of kind of spelunking around the city, trying to find the ritual thing that keeps spitting Crotas out at you. I think it also makes a situation where you can kind of fight the Crota in a more traditional sense. And then just it just keeps respawning over and over. Like you get this kind of false sense of victory numerous times and maybe every time it comes back it like gets a little bit smarter and a little bit more evil and kind of like it's learning from that like it's not just a dumb beast it's kind of capable of internalizing what's going on but you get to keep it very alien very not human very kind of unknowable because it doesn't die it just comes back like yeah you messed up its earthly body but it gets to kind of come back and mess with you and maybe like the third time you fight it it's like calling you by name and has beef with you specifically at that point and it really brings this whole kind of city and kind of the mysticism aspect of it to the front. And I think it also then ties into the themes of the book of tradition and kind of like actually having to do the ritual and the story of it, because it's not about fighting the Crota. It's about kind of performing the ritual to seal the portal, seal the city and this out of control ritual, spitting out the Crota's type of thing or letting Crota's get through. I would also change the arrows from an arrow to a knife. I think knives just kind of work better from a, banishing or fighting a giant monster like this perspective because i think it kind of makes it again more ritualistic and it's less about it's not about guns save the day it's about okay we found the right ritual we found the right sacrifice we found all the parts that you have to do to kind of like seal the tear in reality that this thing keeps crawling out of i think especially if we're going to be going that route and it's one of those things where like i think a knife and uh, arrowhead are kind of interchangeable whether or not it was like the fact that no one stabbed the crota with the arrowhead bugs me. You're right. That they were shooting arrows in the dark in a tunnel below the ground bugs me. Legitimately, I was just like, why? Why not just yeah, fucking Legolas that shit and just stab yeah. somebody with the yeah. thing? But whatever, man. It's yep. an arrowhead. It's got to be used as an arrowhead, I guess, instead of just I, a miniature spear. I um, say knife because players are stupid. And if it's an arrow, they're going to arrow it. They're not going to think, what if I just stab someone with it? It's a little bit of kind of pushing it along. (laughs) What? A little too honest on that one? Not a little too honest, but it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I agree. Because if you gave me an arrowhead where it's like, ah, you got to use whatever the bow for it. Yeah, it's an arrow. I'm going to throw it. (laughs) It's got to fly, right? It's 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 attached to an arrow for a reason. It's an arrow, yeah. You made it an arrow specifically, yeah. I think that's kind of it. Called out on the shit, okay? No, yeah, I think it's going back to kind of my ongoing criticism of this book. Is I, it has a lot of cool ideas. I just don't think they're implemented in the best. And I don't have issue with the special arrows 
are needed to beat the crota i don't think they should be arrows i think they should be something a little more reusable but like in the confines of the book it makes sense from a tabletop rpg perspective a knife survives the ages a hell of a lot better than three ancient arrows do that's just how degradation works i think and especially changing or like throwing out ideas as how to acquire those arrows rather than it being like just in somebody's fucking attic or anything else yeah maybe there maybe you have to do a heist from a cultural center like this maybe you do a heist from a cultural center maybe you make the goddamn knife but maybe that's what you jay helps you out with or something and it becomes kind of uh I mean, like, Jay has, like, the spiritual training. Like, maybe there is a specific ritual or maybe there is a specific material that he knows that he is privy of in creating, like, this knife. Does it have to be uh, properly smoked? Does it have any other things? Because he talks about, like, ginseng or, like, wild ginseng and all these other things that are, like, known by other names and whatnot and just, like, how important they are to, to, to his people and how, like using this like not lost technology but this like heavily restrict heavily not heavily restricted but like this this technology and these things were nearly erased just by like american history yeah and so for there to be a specific lore keeper that you have to be able to catch before he leaves i think would be like yeah i think that's a really great kind of plot point but I think it's, and I think I have a, you can even use some of the beats from the book. I think like, okay, so where do you get the knife? Maybe you have to sneak into the goddamn city and find the knife and get out. I think the whole kind of going down, discovering the city thing. I think that's a cool part. I think the walking around and it's a cool kind of, it, it lends itself to some cool RP moments. And I think kind of like, okay, go down there, find the ritual knife, get it back to Jay so Jay can juice it up. And then you can go back and fight the Crota. I think that's a good flow with that one, hypothetically. Maybe not like perfect. Maybe Jay goes with you and does the ritual down in the cave. And then you're also kind of like keeping Jay alive the entire time as he's trying to do what he's there to do type of thing. I think going back to kind of like, maybe not escort idea, but like it's, he's not there to fix the problem. He's there to kind of power something up or kind of make it so you can try and fix the problem. For whatever reason, like this kind of was recently in my head, but like I think about the old, um, how people were thinking that they needed to bulk up airplanes in these specific sites because uh, airplanes that were coming back with bullet holes in non-essential areas or whatever the heck was leading towards like a bias. Uh, yeah, it's bias. Um, it's called survival bias. Yeah, it was the there whole we go, idea. like a survival bias. Yeah, um, it was the whole idea where it's like, oh, we have to repair these spots because the planes are coming back. And it's like, no, no. The plants are coming back because they're getting hit there. Those are fine. Yeah. And so, like, if, say, that, like, you're, you were not able to get to Jay in time, the fact that there is already an entire group that is down there that was able to successfully pull off the ceiling of the Crota, um, you can kind of glean information as, like, a last-ditch effort. Like, yes, it's going to be a lot more challenging for the players, but nonetheless, it's not like they're going to be fucking just shoved in a cave with no means of finding out like how to fucking or like killing the crota with the knife puts it on ice for a little while or slows down the respawn process long enough for you to like blast the entrance to the cave like there's mm-hmm. plenty of delta green operations that end with yeah you fixed the problem for now oops devil's boots turn into a green box <laughs> yeah it, or like it's like hey um we've been forced to declare the area on the devil's boot an epa hazard site why Oh, you know, uh, poison in the groundwater. Definitely not because there's a monster in a cave that we buried under 800 pounds of cement. 
oops, J, uh, J little Hawk is now a friendly or even recruited into Delta green because he's the local game warden and he's got to now make sure that this shit stays closed. Yep. We only found so many chains in town to put on that door. We put on top of the, um, entrance to the mine that goes down to that thing and well eventually it's gonna get out and jay better find out when that happens yeah i exactly i think like it's the there's plenty of kind of half victories or kind of like the empiric you won but not completely like and delta green's full of those like they've happened on negative modifier a couple times where it's like you did it but not all the way which honestly that's still a victory yeah like just because you you get to walk away from it yeah. That's great. That's fucking great. No, and like you, you would technically have solved the problem. Yeah, and I think it's, I, I think it's one of those ones where kind of like I like the crota a lot. I think the more time went on, the less alien the crota got. I liked it less. I think kind of relegating the crota to a byproduct of a problem, I think, makes it more interesting in some ways. I think again, it kind of ties into this: the crota doesn't care about humans. You're just food. It's not evil, it's just doing what it does naturally, which is eating its food source. And I think kind of by giving the Crota the kind of unfortunate human personality, it made it, it put it in that awkward category. It's like, okay, it's evil. It's aware it's evil. Like, it's like not finger steepling, and then I will burn down the orphanage evil, but like, it's like, and I will make the humans scared because then they taste better. Oh, yes. Delicious, delicious humans. Versus going through some lore books and finding like some local legends about like this rumors about this local werewolf thing that only used to eat the liver and heart and like left lung out of people or something. And it's like, why did it do that? Who knows? And the actual cosmic explanation is because like fungus grows in people's parts of the body that it eats exclusively or something. I don't fucking know. I didn't put that much thought into that part of it, but yeah, I think it's keeping the crota more alien and I think kind of making it less, of just a monster, I think makes the crota cooler. If that makes mm. any sense. I do. I personally do like to the concept of it being aware and it being a interactive spirit because like yeah. having a malevolence that's just out there and like you. Cause the biggest thing about the crota is that it's a hunter and yeah. it's a hunter versus a warrior. And it's like these two clashing ideals and everything else like that. To kind of incorporate that intelligence makes it like uh, just a little bit scarier, I think. But ha- well, I'm not saying like, make it dumb. I think it's I think more of a kind of like elevated. I guess like mm, don't keep mm. it at a human level of hunter. Like put it at a tier where it doesn't think of humans as sentient the way it is, mm, and we're mm. just kind of deer as far as it's concerned. Like it enjoys eating and it enjoys the process of getting yeah. its food. Exactly. I like, don't need to have a monologue from it. Yeah. Like, Humans are fun to hunt because humans are fun to hunt in its perspective. Like, it could go after these deer, but deer are boring. Humans have guns and cars and occasionally call more of them to you and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of like put it in really weird tabletop RPG perspective. It thinks of us as goblins. And it's like, I can get so much more XP if I, like, spook a bunch of these. and They all come at me at once. Mm. I can take them. Like it's it's they're they're weak enough that you can kill them pretty quickly, but yeah. they're smart enough that it's like it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, and that's the fun of it too. So, I mean, I would extend the recommendation to read Crota not on just you but to our listeners. 
I'm not saying that this is something that you need to read right the fuck now. Yeah, it's it's a nice quick read of a book. I think it's got lots of fun ideas that from a tabletop RPG perspective are definitely kind of worth putting in your brain and like marinate and maybe kind of pulling out down the road at a later date or something. Yeah. I, or if you're just like looking for inspiration, I, yeah. it's so funny because literally after, after both of us had finished this book, we were hitting the pen, <laughs> hitting the pen, hitting pen on paper about some stuff. I've got some like personal narratives that I'm working on at the moment. Charlie already was in the middle of rewriting everything yeah. to fit like a, a capable uh a capable narrative and i'm honestly gonna be so fucking pissed when i finally realize that he somehow sprung the crota on me and in a really weird manner like oh, it's months down the line after i've forgotten entirely about this book it's fucking coming and i'll i'll give you a spoiler on it involves mormons <laughs> you know my goldfish like it's gonna be happening sometime oh, around like next summer and i'm just not gonna know about it <laughs> I can tell you the entire plot of this thing. I know it'll be a surprise when we get to it. Oh, God. You won't even see it coming until something very specific happens. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I guess I can't listen to this episode playback. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not going to explain it more than that. Yeah, I, it's um, I, I, I think at the day I still kind of liked Crota. I think like, I, again, I cannot express how much I really enjoyed the first part of it. Like if you'd asked me. I listened to this on audiobook. I think the audiobook narration is a little rough at certain points. I'm not, there are some, um, let's call them voice acting choices. I'm not sure would be made in the modern era, and I'm kind of glad they wouldn't. I'm not sure the native characters are treated with, the voice of the native characters are a weird choice. Maybe Owl going back signed off of them. Maybe he didn't. I'm not sure it's aged especially well, and I think there's other parts of this book that have not aged especially well, too. And they have really not aged well in a couple cases and there's some weird stuff too that just you're like but why is this here but also it's a book from the goddamn 90s like not saying it could be worse excuses this book's problems but like it could be so much worse yeah yeah i mean i really wanted to like grandpa going back he seems so he seems so cool and then it's just one of those things where it's just like you know sexual harassment really isn't funny yeah yeah no and it's Again, like I said, like I spent a lot of time researching the Crota specifically because I was genuinely intrigued by it. I thought it was a cool creature. Like it's all signs pointed to this being like a thing that I was gonna have fun researching and kind of digging into and like learning more about a culture I don't necessarily know that much about. And it turned out it turned out to be kind of an a original creation for this, and that was cool. Then I started looking for kind of like, okay, like what's the Crota inspired by? And it's like, oh, it's Wendigo stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. I love reading more Wendigo stuff, and it's always fun reading different kind of tribes take on that kind of idea and stuff like that and yeah it's again i cannot say this enough i like some of the ideas of this the just implementation of them is occasionally lacking like and i think the i i think like the joke our listeners made and we both made was i was not expecting carcosa to just show up in the middle of this book and as much as i really enjoy that joke it's not carcosa i get it it definitely feels like and then they wound up in carcosa as someone who makes lots of jokes about how next year in Carcosa, I would have loved for that to have been Carcosa. I think it would be phenomenal if we somehow end up with like being forced upon a timeshare in Carcosa and have, 
And it's like, ah, yes, what's the what's the Delta Green mystery of the now? It's an evil timeshare. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing realer than your timeshare in Carcosa, Chad. In <laughs> fact, it's your life in reality that's the timeshare. Your real residency is in the real location of Carcosa and not this made-up place called Los Angeles. The Yellow Royal Cruise. <laughs> Who was the who was the patron that uh, gave us that um, that gave us that? Uh, That's the Gustav. Yeah, That's the Gustav. Thank you, yeah. the Gustav, for just uh, anything Yellow King. Absolutely. Also, yeah. Seriously, you, you if you're gonna be this is for anyone who's like making a game, writing anything. If you've got like a a phenomenal underground city that's like intricate, whatever the heck. Give it more purpose than yeah. the final boss fight. Don't give me a cool underground city and don't make it a fighting arena. Yeah, I, it's the fact that they were hanging around like a basketball court. Like it was a basketball court. It was like a that was so like, cool too. I'm like, are we gonna fight the Crota in some like ritual blood sport? Like that existed. I'm like, oh that like the, the number of times I was done with this book and then they would drop a detail and I was like, oh that could be cool. That could save this goddamn book and then nothing happened. And like this is that's why it's super fucked me up when I found out that the Crota was like an original like concept that was based yeah. around whatever the heck was that there were so many firm details about it. Yeah. Like the crafting of the Crota creature itself had led me to believe that this was like, oh, okay, cool. That's some that's a creature that I need to research later on because yeah. this is like a mythological being or mythological creature that's got like multiple things about it. You know, like the Crota is going to pop up in other kinds of stories. And I want to read those stories and see what other narratives are based around the Crota. No, nah. I want to read about the mythical war against the Crota at the start of time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's just, just like, no, nah, it's just this dude. <laughs> it's just this guy that's just been underground like, I want for the Crota to be time. a person or something. Like they kept dropping hints that were like cooler than the reality of what they were making was. And I found that annoying by the end. Like it's. There was so many hooks throughout the story that I kept being like, is this going to go somewhere? No, it's not going to go anywhere. Is this going to go somewhere? It's not going to go somewhere. Anyway, uh, subscribe to our Patreon so that way we can um, generate the funds in order to pitch the Crota and uh, get that um, made by like YouTube TV or like sci-fi. We're going to be producing this shit. Let's go. (laughs) Uh. Yeah. Also, if you enjoyed this, let us know, and we'll do more of this. Um, I, I'm not quite ready to announce what the next book is going to be. I think it's going to be Winter Tide, though. Me and Jad have definitely talked about it enough, and it feels like this was a good introduction to this. I apologize in advance. It will also be kind of a um, yeah. It, I think it's got to be Winter Tide. We'll let you know kind of in the next couple days after this goes up, type of thing for a firm answer. But it feels like. I think we both have enough to say about that, that in kind of it feels like a good kind of continuation of ideas and stuff that mesh up with this. But yes, if you enjoyed this last know if you if you use this to kind of cheat it that we're not reading the Crota, let us know as well, I suppose. Um, I'm sorry for our summary then. You probably failed at whatever test you were using it to cram for. But yeah, um, hopefully you enjoyed this. We had fun talking about this. Um, so any changes you'd like us to make to our kind of format for this, let us know as well. This is still an evolving process, as I've mentioned a couple times in promoting this. I think it's just kind of how we're approaching it. Yeah, we're kind of discovering like in this new format. It's a it's a funny thing just to see how this evolved from pre-table talk and just kind of like 
I'm a maniac and I listen to audiobooks at two or 2.5 speed, sometimes three if I'm really just trying to get through it. <laughs> Brian Sanderson's anything. And that this is now a thing um, that I just thoroughly enjoy. That uh, absolutely blows my mind. I think it'd be really rad to uh, go through Wintertide. I think it would really be yeah, great. Yeah, it feels to, like the natural next book for this. I think it would be really uh, great to kind of go on the third book with the book that you had offered me. And honestly, I think if anything else, if there's enough uh, interest generated, I would say let's start con- uh, considering some contributions from our patrons. Yes, as well. I was going to say, if people have any books they definitely think we should take a look at, let us know. There's a slight chance we have read them and that may disqualify it but also if it's a book we've read and have stuff to say about we'd be down for that i think mm, mm, mm. uh any last thoughts on crota um i know we've been kind of negative on this this was not intended to be us kind of punching down on a book or being negative about it i i will leave it with the most positive thing i can say about it i want to read more of owl going back's books because i was intrigued by this book i think as far as first books go, not bad, not terrible, not amazing. The audiobook parts of it are unfortunate. It's not aged the best in some cases, but I'm sure with kind of a couple more months of time, I'd be like, yeah, I, I was fine with the book. I enjoyed it enough that there were parts I liked about it. There were some definitely weird parts, but also like, I think I've had more fun also talking about the book with Jad in some ways than I had reading it by itself. And I definitely think that's actually improved my perspective on the book some because it's kind of fun to have someone to laugh at and then skip fucked Crota. <laughs> I am still firm in my con, not confidence, I would say, but I'm still firm in sharing the sharing Crota with other yeah. folks. Uh, I mean, like I, it is something that I have to add the caveat of. It is a dated book. It is something yes. that is of its time. Um, For better or worse. I think, I think it really is like a good snapshot of like what the mid nineties was like in terms of pop entertainment. I think it snapshots some of the attitude. I think it's, and maybe it's because I've been kind of reading a bunch of stuff right now, of like the most eighties version of X. I don't think by reading this, you get a sense of what the nineties were. You just get a sense of kind of some of the problem with the nineties, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a vibe or like, yeah. Not exactly like, oh, yeah, this was fucking the era, but this is just kind yeah, of... Yeah, like it's, it's not like a weird thing to say, but like the, the, the idea that this was talked about in the context I'm talking about, it was like if you could show someone one movie and they would go, oh, I guess that's what the 80s were. I'm not sure I'd say that this, like, it's, this is not that same thing. Like you'd go, it's like, okay, what the fuck was up with the 80s after this? I, yeah, <laughs> I, get, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But nonetheless, this is something to really kind of, yeah, this is something to kind of get these little like pieces. Of, to, this is a book where small pieces actually just absolutely hook you. I think there's something really like you can get something from this book in terms of settings, as well as there's a quote from Alan Moore where it's like, if you want to become a better writer, you got to read some bad books. This isn't a bad book, but this is also not a great book. This is something also, that you could be a better writer. Yeah. Yeah. You could absolutely look into this and see kind of where it's, it falters, but where it also succeeds and just kind of adapt that into your own um, world building, into your own GMing style, into your own writing and whatnot. Yeah. No, I think you're, you've touched on kind of why we're doing this too. I think it's like, it's, 
the world building of this, despite kind of having some weird choices. It's good. It, it's really quite good. I think like you get a very good sense of the time and the place and kind of like maybe not the exact decade, but like how remote this is, how kind of like the vibe of this, why fucking skip has to go through with it type of thing type of thing. Also, sometimes it's just great to mystery science theater 3000, a book with some of your friends. Yeah, <laughs> that's true too. Also true. It's an eight hour audiobook. I think it's about 300 pages. If I recall correctly, I can't that sounds remember. Right, yeah. It's about 300 pages. It's a quick read. Pull it out, read it to some of your friends, uh, do some read alongs, whatever the heck. Don't read it to your kids, <laughs> but good airplane book. Good airplane book. What a cool ass cover. We didn't talk about that at all. I have the 90s cover. What does your cover look like? Look up Owl Going Back, Crota. It is a fucking badass, like, wolf jaw thing with a fist flying out of it. It's I'm like, why is this not the cover that shows up when you look up this thing? The fuck? What did this? <laughs> That's I tight. don't know. Independent Legions? Is that the publishing? I think. Dude, my cover was literally like an arrowhead and like a very 90, like it's just yeah, a that's bl- the Yeah, that's like the one from the audiobook I read when I looked up the book when you told me initially I saw that cover and I'm like, fucking sold. That's awesome. I have no idea what this book is about, but it's got a rock. It's got a goddamn Rammstein music video image for its cover. I'm reading this. Oh my God, the green cover with, <laughs> what is, it's like a fucking, uh, a rabid gerbil with two Indian ghosts just popping out. Two native ghosts just popping out. Yep. I Yeah. I feel as though we've said all that we can say about Crota at this point. Like hopefully you enjoyed reading it. Hopefully it was a new book for you too. It's kind of part of the point of this too. We're like two hours into this. At this point in time, you've definitely read the Crota. (laughs) (laughs) We are what, one quarter of the way through Crota. All right. Thank you for joining us. As I said, if you enjoyed this, let us know. If you have some notes, let us know as well. If you've got any book recommendations, let us know. Um, normal content will resume. If you're listening to this on audio, you're probably a Patreon member, or I chose to put this in the normal feed for kind of teaser purposes. If you'd like to hear more of this, um, it will be available in audio moving forward for Patreon members, and it's over on our YouTube as kind of our video podcast format i do not think the rest of these will wind up in the main feed because that's for actual plays that's for our main client stuff at that point so yeah and if you have an interest in our more than likely next book um this is winter tide the innsmouth legacy by ruthanna emrys uh this is actually the second book uh in a trio of narratives the first being a novella Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, this would be kind of like what happens after the novella, and there's a sequel after this. I've personally already read the sequel. I haven't read the first um, novella. I don't know if Charlie has moved anywhere past the first Winter Tide. I don't think I'll be reading more of the series, but I look forward to talking about Winter Tide. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool beans. Uh, yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for uh, giving us a listen. Mm-hmm.